Welcome back to Sleep for Performance Radio. Today is Audio Abstract Day, and today we're going to review a paper by John Paul Kerr, who was a recent guest on the podcast last year where he discussed a paper about sleep disorders in rugby league players. On the same sort of topic today, we are going to discuss do players and staff sleep more during the pre or competitive season of an elite rugby league game? So the authors in this paper was obviously John Paul, but he was also joined by um, Tanita Scott, Shona Halson and Vincent Kelly. Um, and again, you may have heard Shona Halson on the podcast previously, who used to be a recovery expert or specialist with the Australian Institute of Sport, but has now moved on to another role with the Australian Catholic University. So this paper, um, was, like I said, was published in the European Journal of Sports Science, so an excellent journal. Um, and this is a really interesting paper because too often we talk about how the athletes sleep, but we don't really look at the coaches. And this paper sought to investigate the sleep differences between the coaches and the players or the staff throughout the season. So a little bit of background on rugby league for those who are not familiar with it. There's two types of rugby. You've got rugby league and rugby union, and there's different ways of differentiating between those. But in a rugby league team, they have 13 players in a team or on the pitch at any one time. So the preseason for a rugby league team goes from November to February, which is during the summer period here in the Southern Hemisphere or winter in the Northern Hemisphere. But then the competitive season actually goes from March to October. So they do spend quite a lot of the year actually training, although the training load will vary across that time. However, when they go into the competitive season, this training load is going to increase. So a higher training intensity, um, increased training load, and then also with the games as well. Uh, and even with some domestic travel then around Australia, this can um, definitely affect the players. And we know that from previous research by people like Laura Juliff, um uh, Taylor Rogers and Driver, uh, Housewit, and so on, that sleep disturbances during these heavy training periods can, can be exacerbated. And um, this can manifest itself in a delayed time at sleep onset, increased uh, sleep onset latency or time to fall asleep. And indeed, this can even be greater after athletes have been training in the evening or playing games at night as well which we've seen in other research as well, including some of my own in rugby union. Now, in recent years, uh, sleep and athletic performance has got a lot of airtime um, in the media or even in the scientific arena, and it's great that it's been it's uh, increasing and we know more and more. But as that research increases, we realise that actually players don't sleep as much as we would like them to or even indeed as much as we thought they would sleep. So a lot of athletes are not achieving seven to nine hours of sleep per night. Now, despite that, um, not many papers have looked at the effect on staff or coaches, and they may be even worse in terms of uh, sleep duration, sleep disturbances, and so on, because they may be more time poor than the athletes. So you know yourself, uh, if you're a leader in a business, you may have to come in early, leave late. You've got other additional responsibilities that are not part of the team. And all of these then can actually reduce the time available for sleep. And so placing an um, importance on sleep or making time for sleep can be uh, quite, um, you know, an effective strategy to help these coaches. However, I'm kind of jumping the gun here. So the, <laughs> the uh, purpose of this paper was to examine the sleep behaviour of both players and staff during the pre- and competitive seasons of an elite rugby league season. 
So the methods, how do they collect this data? Well, before we look at collecting the data, what type of people do we have in the study? Well, we had seven rugby league players. They're on average of 24 years of age, so quite young. 98 kilos, plus or minus eight, eight kilos, so pretty chunky guys, uh, with a height of 1.84 centimetres, or a little over six foot. We had nine staff members, a little bit older, nearly 37 years of age. Uh, these guys weighed about, 30 uh sorry 84 kilos uh so considerably less than the players themselves and a height of approximately 180 or 5 feet 11 um so everybody uh, as with all of these studies gave consent to be involved in it um each one of the participants then were monitored over two separate periods so that seven days in the pre-season training period uh where they had structured training sessions um within that week at home and then there was another week in season. So this this is what gives us the pre and uh, the preseason and the competitive season. So a week before and a week during. Now in the week during there was also a game and the kickoff time of that game was uh, approximately around seven PM or nineteen hundred hours. And this game was played at home, which is which is interesting. So there were um given Actigraph devices, so they were given the ActiWatch two by Philips Respironics. Um, and the word is throughout the periods uh, prior to the season and during the season. They also kept a sleep diary as well and also reported some other measures such as RPE, rate of perceived exertion on the training sessions. And they also reported their uh, sleep quality um, on a scale of one to five, one being very good and, um, sorry, five being very good and one being very poor on the Likert scale. Now, measures of sleep were extracted from those devices as well, looking at uh, the time they went to bed, how long it took them to fall asleep, the time they fell asleep, sleep duration, the amount of times they woke up throughout the night, uh, the quality of that sleep or sleep efficiency, and also that subjective sleep quality as well that we spoke about. Now, what was interesting here as well is they actually give a, a table here of the trend and com competition events in the pre-season and in the competitive season. And for those of you who might be interested in the conditioning, there are, um, in the pre-season, pre-season there was a morning conditioning game, an afternoon strength, um, and that was kind of um, similar along the whole week. Uh, so conditioning their skills in the morning and strength training in the afternoon. However, what is interesting on the Friday around 11 o'clock, they actually did wrestling. Um, and this may be an effective a skill that rugby players could develop actually here for the sort of Greco-Roman or upper body type grappling that may occur in rugby league particularly. In the competitive season, there was a mixture of skills and strength throughout the week and recovery and after the match, which occurred on a Friday evening at uh, 7 o'clock. So what were the key findings or the results um, from these methods? So using a two-way repeat of measures ANOVA, what we can see here in the players and in the staff um, some quite interesting data here. So let's look at the players first. So seven players, pre-season compared to competitive season. So went to bed a little bit later during the competitive season by about half an hour. They fell asleep approximately 35 minutes later as well during the competitive season. What is interesting though is in the pre-season they were getting up at approximately 10 to 6 in the morning, but in the competitive season they weren't getting up until about half 6 in the morning. So this uh, wake time or get up time seemed to shift in accordance with the delay in the sleep onset as well. So 
what that resulted in actually was nearly identical sleep duration. So we're getting 6.9 hours of sleep in the pre-season and 6.9 hours of sleep in the competitive season. So, you know, just barely touching in there with the seven nine hours of recommended sleep for the general population. So this could be uh, something to be improved here within these athletes as well. Sleep efficiency was in about 87, 85 to 87% between competitive and pre-season and wake after sleep onset was approximately um, 6.9% and 8.5%. Now, that's generally not expressed as a percentage. It's generally in minutes. Um, so it's interesting to see it expressed that way. I haven't come across that one before. Um, but, um, yeah, interesting way to depict that work after sleep onset. And subjective sleep quality was 39 uh, respectively, for before and competitive season. So fairly decent overall. Let's look at the staff. Um, in the preseason, the staff, again, were going to bed earlier, about 10 to 10 in the evening, and in the competitive season, about 20 past 10. And again, sleep onset was delayed as well in the competitive season to half 10 compared to uh, 10 o'clock in the preseason. And similar to the players, the staff were getting 6.7 hours pre-season sleep duration and in the competitive season 6.8. So they seemed to be adjusting the wake and sleep onset time to still get around the same amount of sleep, um, you know, between the pre and competitive season. So quite, quite interesting um, in saying that the wake up times of the staff compared to the players and the get-up times were significantly, statistically significantly different in terms of being earlier during the competitive season and indeed in the pre-season as well. So um, definitely the staff getting up before the players, but also going to bed slightly before them as well. So interesting difference there between within the players, between the two parts of the testing period or experimental protocol and then for the staff as well, so that's the pre-season versus the competitive season, and then we're comparing them across the groups as well for players and staff. So what do these findings mean? Well, we can see in both groups, in both periods, pre-season and competitive season, as we discussed, sleep duration is quite low, so definitely we could look at, you know, increase in sleep duration, um, you know, as a side note there. In the paper itself, uh, John Paul and the authors refer to training times maybe potentially impacting the sleep duration, given the fact um, that some of the training shed, training times were pretty early in the morning. So we look at pre-season, some of those conditioning sessions were starting at 7 in the morning. The latest was actually 8 o'clock in the morning. But during the season, um, those training times were not starting until 9 o'clock. Now, what's interesting here is that we, you would think that players would go to bed earlier, but um, actually they just adjusted their time of sleep onset and went to bed a bit later, resulted in the same amount of sleep duration. So maybe um, keeping the training times later may not always increase the actual sleep duration of the athlete. So it might be important to back this up with some training and education around sleep to try and increase that sleep duration. We also see as well here that the night games have had a significant effect on the duration of sleep that athletes get. And we see some of these athletes not going to bed till, uh, you know, after midnight after the game because it's quite hard to fall asleep after uh, a night game. And even probably more so when you're in this kind of a contact combat sports environment where you're, uh, you know, running into people and getting bashed around. It can be quite difficult to try and fall asleep after after such a game or such an event. So, um, you know, we've seen this in other, other papers and our studies before and um, 
it's not just about going to bed early, it's about what you do before you go to bed as well. So an excellent paper here by John Paul and uh, the team. Um, this is a great paper published in the European Journal of Sports Science and it's great to see more papers coming out in this area and particularly um, on a personal note, it's great to see rugby research increasing as well, whether it be rugby league or rugby union. So that's this month's audio abstract and um, stay tuned to the podcast for other guests. You may um, have heard the brain always wins this month with John O'Sullivan if not please check that out and coming up next month is sleep historian Robert E. Kirch alright thank you very much and sleep well